autistic people with quality of life and opportunity. You're listening to the Autism CRC podcast. This is the Autism at Work speaker series featuring pre-recorded audio captured during the live Autism at Work virtual summit event held in March 2023. Hear from over 40 local and international speakers, panelists and presenters, including neurodivergent employees and employers, as they discuss the important topics affecting autistic people at work. You can also watch this series on the Autism CRC YouTube channel. Welcome back. Greetings, Earthlings. It's great to see you after our long break, the Autism at Work Virtual Summit. And here we go. We're into, I guess, the second half of day two. And we've got another workshop for you. So stand by, my friends, uh, the second of our two workshops. This one um, I believe is uh, about the Autism at Work program and sustaining it, moderated by Sharon Whip and Adam Easterbrook from Untapped Talent. Now, before I hand over to Sharon and Adam, I'd like to let you know that there is the Q&A tab. So it's actually crucial and critical and important that if questions arise and it can help you learn and understand, you please submit them to us so we can get them to our panelists. You do that in the Q&A pane, you can access that by clicking the Q&A tab on the right-hand side of your screen. Other people's questions will appear as well. If you like those, you can vote for them by clicking on the arrow beside it. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible as we uh, get to the end of a session. So please make sure you put them down if they come up. All right, let's get going with our second workshop. And now it's time to hand it over to Sharon and Adam. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much, Orion, and I hope you've all been having a great day. I'm going to share my screen and get straight into our presentation today, um, which is about building on organisational capability and sustainability with your autism at work programs. So you may have attended an earlier session today um, about initiating autism at work programs today. Uh, this session is about helping you to understand how to build organizational capability, scalability and sustainability for your current or, or future autism at work programs. Um, so we, we're going to give you some perspectives and insights into the challenges with sustaining your autism at work programs, but also highlight the huge benefits that these programs bring to organizations. Adam and I have been involved in autism at work programs for close to 10 years now in Australia and more recently in, in the UK um, and Europe. And so we hope that we can help you by sharing some of our learnings, reflections and insights into autism at work programs being successful. Whether it's a large or a small organisation, here are some key principles um, of building and operating sustainable and successful programs. So the program has to be designed to benefit your organisation and your present and your future employees. Investing and building a future workforce to meet the demands of organizational growth, ensuring employees feel valued and ongoing commitment to autistic individuals reaching their potential, 
Um, and to be sustainable, your program is going to require ongoing effort and it needs to be iterated and improved over time. So the first step is building a really strong and well thought out foundation for your program. And I'm going to introduce you now to Andrew Eddy. I'm sure many of you know um, Andrew Eddy, um, but just to give you a little insight, um, Andrew started the Untapped in 2017, and he has developed and driven the Neurodiversity Hub as a way of changing the narrative around autism and uh, neurodiverse employment since early 2018. He works with a diverse range of companies on their autism at work programs across the globe. He's employer of many neurodivergent employees, approximately 75% of untapped employees are neurodivergent. And here I have pre-recorded um, our video insights because of time differences as we're, we're talking to people in the UK. Um, and so I'm going to um, uh, throw to Andrew now to share his learnings um, on what needs to happen to start up a sustainable program. Yes, so we've seen a lot of programs um, around the world and we really see the ones that succeed are those that have uh, senior level sponsorship, like as, as high, high level as possible. And that's really because um, people's priorities can change and other things can get in the way. If you're just relying on employees' discretionary effort uh, and they don't really have the authority to do something, um, then that can be really difficult. So having that senior sponsorship at a CEO level or someone reporting to a CEO is just so critical. So that's that's one thing. Uh, another area is around awareness. And this is this whole journey around um, awareness, understanding and acceptance. And it's so important that we get the awareness. This is not about autistic people changing um, to fit in to the workplace. This is about the whole you know, the whole organization changing to really meet in the middle, um, to really look at how things are done, uh, to look at how they need to change the way they do things, to change their perspective. We've really got the only way we're going to make the workplace uh, and the work systems more inclusive is if we look at everything we're doing now and take a fresh perspective, a different perspective on all these things. And one way we've seen that this works well in, in larger companies, um, particularly those who already have a structure like this, is these employee resource groups or affinity groups or business resource groups, they have different names. But it's really about um, uh, having people, identifying people who have an interest in this. They may be parents, they may, be, they may know of other people who are neurodivergent, they may be neurodivergent themselves. But, the ability to have a way of how channeling their energies, their discretionary efforts um, to really be a voice, to provide guidance to the organisation about how to you know, make things more sustainable, how to implement change so that we can create the environment for things to happen. So that's really critical. Um, and organisations need to, need to look at other practice and if they want to jump ahead and, and get these things done more quickly it's it's very can be very useful to be part of a community practice with other employers so that you're not trying to find out what to do by yourself you're actually 
leveraging others' experiences, others' mistakes, others' learnings and jumping heads. So, you know, one example we have is the Neurodiversity Hub and the community of practice that is run within that um, as a way of sharing good practice, sharing learnings uh, with others and, and leaping ahead. Thank you. <clears throat> so just to reiterate what Andrew just talked about, the, the primary purpose of your Autism at Work program is to make your organisation more inclusive and to put an inclusivity lens across everything that you do and that you're creating something that's meaningful and sustainable and not just a bubble to satisfy social responsibility. Have senior um, sponsor and, and buy-in across all levels of your organisation a neurodiversity focused employee resource group, including the voices of all neurotypes, incorporating neurodiverse awareness education as part of mandatory training for everyone, viewing the program as a way of addressing capability and skills gaps in your businesses, implement a structure that is sustainable um, and has the capacity to be scaled. We want more people, more autistic people employed. So it needs to be sustainable and scalable. Um, consider joining a community of practice with other employers to share and develop best practice. Learn from those who have done it before you. Uh, join the Neurodiversity Hub and you can see the address up there if you wanna get in contact with us. And just make sure your organization is ready before you implement your program. An important part of sustainability is having good, uh, a good governance structure. And as programs scale, a uh, level of compliance to adherence of processes and procedures needs monitoring. Um, and this should make sure the program's successes and weaknesses are visible and how these are working to impact outcomes for individuals and your organisation. Compliance findings need to be used as part of an innovation feedback loop to iterate your program. An important, unique and incredibly valuable part of the success and sustainability of untapped autism employment programs is the provision of an autism spectrum consultant or ASC working alongside our autistic trainees. And for those of you who don't know, that's where I started my career with DXE and Untapped um, about eight years ago uh, as an autism consultant in Brisbane. So the ASC works alongside a technical lead to ensure customised workplace support guidance, coaching and training for successful integration of both autistic trainees and the staff teams that they're working alongside. So some of the areas where we provide support is in one-to-one -one customized support, um, designing and implementing workplace accommodations, the development of individualized strategies and goals, translating workplace social conventions, awareness, training and advocacy, and ongoing coaching and enablement. Now, I'd like to introduce you to David Gibson. Uh, David works for DXE Technology in the UK, um, and they implemented their first autism employment program in the UK back in June 2021. Uh, and since then, they have expanded the program and also helped um, 
to implement programs in Eastern Europe. Um, June 2023 sees the end of the first team's um, contract. Uh, and David's now going to share some of his insights and reflections about the journey of starting the program and maintaining sustainability in the program. In the UK, we are running a autism programme similar to the one that was launched in Australia back in 2014. So far, we have 15 trainees on the programme. And the idea is, is that we are um, taking neurodiverse individuals who typically struggle to get into employment across the UK. And we've given them the opportunity to work in real life roles, working with um, multiple clients within uh, Dixie Technology um, and training them up in IT. Um, alongside that, we've been helping to build their executive functioning skills, their life skills and their IT skills to really help them to integrate into the, the workplace. Alongside that, we've been supporting the managers and the co-workers who work with these individuals to help raise awareness around autism and ensure that they can provide better mentorship and management to these trainees. This has allowed them to really thrive in their roles and reach their full potential. And we're seeing that this is helping them to build much more confidence within the workplace and really drive value in, in our business. So we launched the program back in June 2021 and um, I worked very closely with uh, the team at Dixie and they'd created a very well established framework um, over the, the eight years that they'd been running the program and we'd taken this framework and really ta tailored it uh, to fit within the UK. One of the, the biggest challenges I think was that we launched the program at the height of the um, COVID-19 pandemic. So um, within the UK, we were still working virtually from home. And this is a real challenge because we were rolling out a very large program, trying to implement it uh, virtually. And there's a lot of lessons learned around implementing a program of this scale virtually. I think one of the hardest things is trying to um, provide the right level of support to the candidates that are on the program. And at the same time as trying to roll out the program, the whole team within the UK was new. So me leading the program, um, I was trying to understand the framework and the way that it's structured and the way that it works. We were introducing new autistic support consultants who were trying to learn on the job and all the managers and the co-workers that were working with us were all new. So we were taking a very well-established framework from Australia and trying to roll it out in kind of like one in one go. This was very challenging at first, but we had to make sure that we were learning and adapting very quickly. Luckily, the, we, we brought together a very strong team who were all passionate about bringing the program to the UK. And we made sure, made sure that we captured all our lessons learned and started to adapt the, and tailor the program to, the, to, to work in the UK. Um, I think what works really well with the, uh, the, the Dandelion program is the way that it's structured. There's a lot of governance around the program, which really makes it successful. Um, we have the role of the autistic support consultant. This is very unique to the, the, the Dandelion program. Uh, they, they ensure that the candidates are integrated within the business. 
that they come up with strategies to help to reduce their anxiety and their, and and really build their confidence in the in the workplace. And I think without the role of the ASC, I think the candidates would would struggle, um, like um, like they would in other workplaces. But um, fortunately, with the support of the ASC, we're really seeing them thrive and reach their full potential. Thank you so much, David. So step two is creating a purpose-built program. It needs to be um, ha have the right people involved. Um, it needs to be set up in a structured way and is designed for the purpose of your business, your customers, and most importantly, uh, the individual employee needs. Um, the other thing that we would say to people is when you're looking at going the step of actually implementing some sort of a program, whether that be an internship program, an employment program, whatever it is, that we really look at the way in which you're doing it so that it is something that is uh, scalable, sustainable. It's not something that's relying on those that have been involved, putting in discretionary effort on top of their existing jobs to make it work. Um, often that can work for a time, but people get exhausted, people change jobs, um, and these things can fall over if they're not set up in a structured way. So really would encourage people to look at the way they set them up from the start. And so I think it's important to take a look at roles that you may be having difficulty filling or having difficulty retaining people in and really break down what are the, what are the traits um, of a, someone who would do well in that job those, it's those jobs that can actually appeal um, well to autistic individuals. Um, it can be something where it's um, a very structured role. Um, it's uh, not, a, not a customer facing role. Um, so it may not appeal to as much to a neurotypical in, individual, but may be um, quite suited to a neurodivergent individual or autistic individual. So, it's really looking at those sorts of jobs that might suit them, or it might be a job where there's a level of different thinking or creativity required or being able to see patterns or um, needing to remember a long list of things to apply to a situation. And it's also those roles that might appeal to uh, a neurodivergent individual Thank you so much, Andrew. So just to again reiterate what Andrew's saying there is, um, we need to undertake an organisational scan, identify roles that align, align with strengths, capabilities and potential of individuals. Um, undertake a sensory assessment um, of your work environment to assess for possible sensory distractions. Ensure you've created a culture um, that is a good fit. Refine your onboarding and training processes. Recruited, open and reflective managers so the right people have the right pipeline of work and lots of work. Review of your protocols and processes and ensure your workflow processes are clear and easily understood. Have the right tools for the job and also challenge any bias. Um, you may have within your organisation, both unconscious and conscious bias. So step three is about maintenance, improvement and sustainability. Continuing to look at the way you do things and continuing to review it because 
as you get into this whole area, you learn more and more. And I'm always amazed looking back at something I might have written two years ago. And I look at it and go, my goodness, I know so much more now. And um, if I'd known what I know now back then, I would have written in a completely different way. And I think it's important not to, not to see reviewing the way you do things with your policies, your approach, whatever. It's not a one-time thing. I think you need to be thinking about it over time because your experience changes. Um, you know the way you want to be presenting yourself to the market needs to complete needs to continue to change if you're going to compete for for talent. So I think you need to have that as an ongoing activity, just to be looking at how you're presenting your company to the market, how you're presenting yourself on the website, through your job ads, through the way in which you interact with people during the hiring process, and it's just an ongoing activity. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay, and so it's really important for scalability, um, sustainability and success that you have consistency in your support framework. So for scalability, do you need to build a framework that drives outcome for employees that is customizable for each individual? Innovate and iterate that framework. You'll hear those words a lot. Um, we have um, iterate iteratively developed over a number of years program frameworks that guide our autism consultants, our trainees, mentors, supervisors through a range of training and workplace activities to help make sure our trainees reach their goals. The frameworks are not prescriptive rules, they're very much um, individualize. Um, each person uses what is applicable for them. Ensure that your core operational processes are consistent, repeatable, structured and valuable. It makes it easier to measure progress and makes it easier for trainees to engage with. Strive for a set of defined outcomes that benefit both the employees and the organisation. Make sure that the processes and tools you use are consistent and that everyone gets the same opportunities to benefit from the desired outcomes. Measure and record successes and weaknesses and feed those findings into an innovation loop. Take outputs from prior experiences, both positive and negative, to help you innovate the next iteration of your pro program framework. We started with manual processes back in the day and tools have now been iterated um, to the point where we're able to build them um, as online tools into a portal called our Waypoint Talent Management Platform. And this enables us to maintain consistency, scalability, and improve the outcomes uh, outcomes across across all of our programs, regardless of where they are located. Some of those tools that we have built into our platform include, probably most importantly, in my opinion, um, a, a structured. Um, assessment approach. So having regular, structured, predictable and considerate feedback to assess and discuss progress, set goals and discuss accommodations in a collaborative, 
confidential and safe way. It generates actions um, to achieve goals and enables the ongoing monitoring and progression of achieving goals. And I always felt like it helps to keep me as a manager on track to make sure I'm looking out for the best interest and the growth of the individuals that I'm working with. We have a learning library, training and development involves improving the effectiveness of the individuals and the teams within the organisation. Um, and the learning library is a central repository where the training programs are built and, and accessed. The progress tracker also is the application of industry skills frameworks to ensure that the skills being learned as part of the program are um, being learned consistently and recognised as being valuable within the organisation. No point in training individuals in skills that are, are not valuable for their career and that they're applicable and recognised standards within an industry, industry career pathway. And it's about building capable, capability together, both the organisation and the autistic employee employee it's a two-way street so we first start by culture change so for culture change for the organization it's about creating the right culture reviewing onboarding processes promoting inclusivity across all levels of the organization doing an environmental assessment assessment ensuring you really are accepting of difference and you're implement, implementing adjustments to the way you do things cultural change for the autistic employee could mean things like um, you know developing that job awareness and that understanding of the workplace culture understanding the confusing workplace rules social and interpersonal growth understanding communication expectations self-determination and developing some really good self-care strategies Phase two is around education, awareness and acceptance. So for an employer or an organisation, that's about the co-workers being engaged in the program, building their awareness, breaking down any, any preconceived um, negative stigma and bias, L reviewing our communication and our language use, developing individualised plans, uh, looking for industry certifications, looking at the way we allocate work and playing to the strengths of the individuals and giving feedback and setting goals for growth. For the employee, that's about understanding their work strengths and their work preferences and breaking down some learned owned negative stigma from previous past negative experiences, developing individualized goals, connection to other supports, understanding the process and, and actually feeding into the process of getting feedback on work performance and seeing it as a necessity for growth and development, um, obtaining technical certifications that are, re are relevant um, and the ability to self-advocate advocate. Phase three is about transition to independence. So for an organisation, it's about having a growth mindset, having the end in mind at all times, understanding that it's about strength-based role matching, giving the individual training opportunities, access to mentors, trials in other areas of the organisation, and making sure that they have a really well set up LinkedIn profile, a good resume, and have the opportunity to, to attend mock interviews. Um, for an individual, that's about 
being now a strong self-advocate, a really strong understanding of what I want to do um, in my career. I understand now what my strengths are and what I need to succeed at work, um, to be skilled in the job application process and have built a really strong support network. We have developed a curriculum or a framework of learning, if you like, so that we do deliver um, consistent learning opportunities across all of our programs. Again, a two-way street. So for the trainees, we, we look at communication expectations, and that can be verbally, um, in meetings, uh, in emails, and things like that. Mental health and well-being and practicing self-care work um, understanding those really confusing workplace rules development and enhancement of time management and organizational skills and building teamwork and relationship skills for those working alongside our autistic employees it's about again um, choosing words well, understanding the words that you use are very important, particularly when you're training and onboarding um, autistic candidates. It's about understanding the triggers for anxiety at work. And so you know what to avoid um, and um, you know how to provide some initial help and recognise the signs of anxiety. It's understanding the incredibly important aspect of giving um, feedback for growth and setting goals and recognising uh, when those goals are achieved, regardless of how big or how small. Building um, executive functioning capabilities and understanding different social and communication styles, um, different focus styles and differences in receiving and processing information. It's really about learning together, having a really open um, dialogue um, and learning together with and from each other. Another big uh, success of the programme is the, the Dandelion curriculum. So this is a learning uh, opportunity where we can really build the IT executive functioning skills and the life skills of the candidates. We've also been delivering autism awareness training to the colleagues, the co-workers and the managers that are working closely with the candidates and the feedback that we've had from these sessions has been um, incredible. We're finding that um, employees across the business previously didn't know how to properly support or mentor an autistic individual whereas now they have a much better understanding of their different ways of thinking and now understand how they can provide the correct accommodations and support within the workplace for them to, uh, to really be integrated and, and be successful uh, within their role. Thank you, David. One of the things we have learned over time, um, over the eight or 10 years we've been working is there's an incredibly high incident of co-occurring mental health conditions. And this can often be exacerbated in a work environment. Uh, re research that we undertook very early on in the program did show us that uh, employment was in fact improving connectedness and, and self-worth, but those mental health challenges did continue. So ongoing um, mental health needs to be recognised um, and supported and ongoing mental health and wellbeing considerations need to be a factor of your program framework. 
one of the things especially that we've noticed is that the end of the contract insecurity really has a negative impact on mental health and and that needs forethought and planning right from the start so we need to make sure we connect our employees with the right mental health supports we we run mental health training for co-workers and managers so they're confident and capable um, in recognizing mental health concerns and putting people in touch with with the, the right supports and um, also review employee assistance programs so that there is support available for autistic employees through EAPs. The other area just to think about also is around mental health and there is a much higher incidence of mental health uh, concerns and issues amongst autistic individuals and that can magnify itself in the workplace <clears throat> and you will now I see that we talk about mental health a lot more than we did three years ago before the pandemic. It's it's quite you know recognised, and obviously that's an area of concern um, around autistic individuals and and the mental health issues they come forward with and present with. And so it's important that organisations have some understanding of that, some awareness of that, and actually go ahead and put some into practice some um, training framework within the organisation so they can identify these sorts of issues and deal with them effectively. Well, we've we've done some good work with um, La Trobe University and hooking in also with Stanford and Cornell. And um, really there are some, some good research that's been done around this area. And there are um, courses and materials that can be used that those organisations have developed. Thank you so much. And I think there's a mental health session later on today that you can all tap into. Okay, so um, an important aspect of our program's um, success and sustainability is um, how we build an employee profile um, starting right at the beginning. So we define a career pathway and um, it's our, our goal is always for individuals to achieve independence through employment. Um, and so we define a career pathway very early on and record progression as part of the trainee's profile. And we are really active in recording achievements and accreditation, um, a profile that enables a person to reflect upon where they started, what skills they've acquired, what achievements they've made, as well as what things they need to implement to succeed is such an empowering tool. And we recognise and celebrate accomplishments because that's not always easy for our trainees to do. Um, and so we recognise the acquisition of their, their workplace and technical skills, um, gaining confidence and self-advocacy are the keys to building a career and, and independence. And a work profile documents this important journey and it is taken forward wherever uh, that individual may go next. So I can't highlight enough the need to have um, a growth mindset um, across all of our programs. So, um, and that the most pivotal part I, I believe is in giving regular feedback and reassurance. Research did find that um, that's the only area where autistic employees ask for more than non-autistic employees. And that is in, in getting feedback on how they're going with their job. So regular open 
considerate and ongoing communication. A, a really well-defined and clear measure uh, of skill development progress the ability to build a meaningful industry certification, an awareness of business environment and suitable roles for growth, appropriate willing and trained mentors and buddies, supported growth in tasks that cause anxiety rather than taking away aspects that cause stress, provide more time and support to allow autistic trainees to build capability in tasks that may cause them anxiety. Challenge any bias, give plenty of opportunities to demonstrate abilities, plan for transition to the next stage with a goal of independent, employee, um, independent employment. I'd now like to introduce you to Andrew Baird, who runs the Spectrum program at ANZ Bank. They implemented their first autism employment program at the start of 2018 and have since expanded their program several times. Many of the autistic trainees are now employed permanently by the bank. Um, they're one of the longest partners that we've worked with at um, Untapped and DXC. Um, and Andrew Baird um, is going to share uh, some of his insights and reflections now and followed on by David Gibson in the UK giving a few reflections as we, he comes to the close of his first contract. So Andrew Baird from ANZ, I work in, in the technology function in ANZ and I've been here numerous decades now, so 35 years um, in total, so I've been across the organisation quite broadly. Um, I'm actually responsible for uh, you know, five, six direct reports who work for me in our workforce tribe. Um, so we focus on early talent um, into the technology space. Um, and, but I also run the Spectrum program as, as part of that function as well. Um, and that program itself started in 2018 um, with the support and thanks of, of DXC, um, where we brought in nine individuals into the organisation. Um, and we focused in two areas. Um, one was in security operations and the other was in a testing sort of function. Um, I think at the end of end of that first year, we had already transitioned a couple of people off that program into permanent roles. So it was already showing to be a success in the organisation. Um, since that time, and obviously there's been some impacts with COVID, but we've still brought another number of other people through. So in total, we've had 20 people participate in the program. Um, 10 of those have rolled off into permanent employment with ANZ now. Um, and we still have, we have eight on the program as such and the other two have, have left for, for various reasons. So we've got a really high retention rate as well. And even some of the people have been promoted um, in the, within the organisation from where they, from when they first joined uh, as well. So, you know, we're seeing seeing promotion, we're seeing a lot of support from within the organisation, um, which is great. Um, I think one of the benefits we're seeing is the, the productivity and the speed to complete things is what's obvious when you get the fit right. Uh, it's always been a challenge for us, um, is keeping the work up to the, to the individuals. Uh, obviously, ASC, um, she's with us two days a week and that's working well for now because the team's been here uh, for a bit of time. Um, 
so they're, they're quite familiar with the organisation and some of the new ones that have come in just recently um, are still feeling supported, but they're in a team that's had some of the individuals in security before. So um, the, the management team in ANZ in certain areas are quite well versed in, in awareness and, and looking out for traits of the people and know how to, what to ask and how to respect the people um, as well. So I think that's working well. Um, I think what we're struggling with, and that's, you know, we can only use the COVID excuse for, for so long, but it really did put a, a slowdown on our, our, I guess, our core data team um, who felt a bit isolated um, during that time because they weren't able to come into the office. They weren't able to get more real work so much. Um, so that they felt that a lot. Okay. So now we're back in the office. We're really ramping that up. Um, and we're targeting different areas for some for some work, which is looking quite quite good. And we'll probably have the, a great problem to solve where we'll have too much work and not enough people. So, so our first cohort that um, are on the program, they're coming towards their transition phase. Um, so they will be finishing the Dunderline program in June 2023 of this year. And what we're really focusing on at the moment is um, the process of um, then being on the Dandelion program and transitioning into being a regular employee at DXC. This is um, a process that's very new to us in the UK. We've never had to go through this, so we've been getting a lot of support from Australia. But what we're trying to make, ensure is that all the mechanisms are in place, working with the different business managers within within DXC to ensure um, that everything is in place so that we can um, transition them from being a a contractor on the Dunderline program to a regular DXC employee. Um, it has caused and heightened anxiety amongst the candidates. They're wanting kind of like clearly defined processes. And what we're finding is that each candidate is going on their own individual progression paths and they're all at different stages. So it's difficult to give a one size fits all process of like what um, we're having to create individual plans for each of our eight candidates who are rolling off the program have identified that some candidates do need a little bit longer on the program. So we've extended them um, just by three months um, just to allow them to um, continue building that confidence and growing in independence within their role. I think the hardest thing was we brought on a whole new team and rolled out the program at the same time and it was a lot of learning. Um, fortunately we had the Australian team to kind of um, supporters with answering all our questions um, in a way, but we had a brand new team all um, trying to learn the framework of the Dunderland program at the same time. And I wish we just had a bit more time to get our head around how the program is structured and how it runs and all the kind of finer intricacies rather than learning it along the way. There was a lot of times where things would prop up and we were going back to Australia asking, asking like, for support and asking for advice. And we were essentially a brand new team learning along the way. A few few theme key themes that we're seeing, first of all, is a massive growth in confidence. So before they joined the program, a lot of them didn't have uh, much um, work experience. They, they never worked in a professional environment. They didn't have that confidence to talk to groups of people or do things independently. And we're seeing a growth in confidence across the board. A lot of them are now starting to do things independently. Um, we have candidates that can now lead meetings in front of senior members of staff and really drive the conversation. Uh, we've got uh, candidates who are starting to 
um, suggest process improvements. And quite quite recently, we had someone within PMO who suggested a process improvement, and this was recently recognised by the PMO lead. So their work is getting recognised by um, by members of staff, and it's showing that they're delivering value um, to the business. We're not just bringing them in and um, getting them to do odd jobs. We're literally getting them to deliver value to our customers. And then also their 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 life, their stability, both in their, their personal life and in their professional life. So we've given them a, a, sta a stable job where they feel comfortable now. Um, uh, they know that they've got some st stable work that they're getting supported. Um, so from a works perspective, they're stable, but from their personal life, they're stable as well. They're more stable. Thank you so much, um, David. OK, so just to finish up, um, a sustainable and successful program requires ongoing commitment. It should not be about changing autistic people to fit in. Organisations have to change and it needs ongoing commitment as it about, it's about implementing permanent changes to the way we work. It's important to continue to um, evolve and innovate to meet the needs of each individual and the organisation. We need to learn about each other's cultures and perspectives. Uh, it's a two-way street and, and remember that it's so beneficial um, to have people that think differently in our organisations. And uh, we have to start challenging the neuronormative status quo. So just to finish up, I'd like to say that uh, we've consistently found uh, across all of the organisations that we've worked with that implementing an Autism at Work program builds organisation culture, it refines processes and fosters a more open and reflect reflective communication approach. Um, and so I'd like to uh, thank you for watching our presentation and um, I'll finish now and we're very happy to take any questions that you may have. Thanks, Sharon. Appreciate that. And uh, Adam as well, uh, I'm not sure if there's something that uh, is on uh, your mind or something you'd like to, to add or to chime in before we get to some questions, Adam, anything you wanted to add? Um, no, I, I think, you know, what Sharon's outlined um, is a useful set of cohesive uh, um, uh, 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 steps um, that, that does create uh, sustainable programs and sustainable programs are what we need for meaningful ongoing employment, creating opportunities for people and for, for normalising uh, inclusive employment. So uh, I, I, th I think if people do uh, embark on this journey, um, you know, it, it, it's important to, to kind of reflect on, uh, you know, the experiences that we've had. And as Andrew said, uh, take on board the experiences of other organisations as well, uh, just to, because we've got to remember it, at the end of the day, uh, we need uh, a win-win um, outcome for both the people that are coming into the programs and getting employment and also the organisations that are going to um, employ them. All right, let's get to some questions. So coming through on the Q&A pane, you can click on the question tab and put your questions in there. So we'd love you to do that now. Uh, first question, do you find that programs are more successful when aimed at entry level or early career roles? We had greater difficulty identifying candidates for mid-level roles. And if so, why do you think that is? I think that um, from our perspective, we tend to do that um, entry level um, um, early career uh, type 
um, program. Um, and often this is because organisations are looking to build their future workforce. Um, people um, kind of mid-career um, are more likely to be already embedded into an organisation, doing a role, comfortable in a role, um, you know, where they've got their experience. So they're less likely to want to change into another organisation. Doesn't mean that an organisation can't build a culture of support and attract those people if they feel unsupported in their existing businesses. And, you know, we know from our experience uh, consulting with organisations that, you know, people are in that sort of position, but I think that it would be harder to get people to change and convince them that another organisation is there ready to support them better than where they're currently managing themselves. Sharon, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, I guess I'd just like to um, to say, yeah, I, I do um, probably agree with that, that question in that it is harder to um, access mid-level and a higher level roles. Um, and, and it is perhaps something that we need to look at doing better. I'm not sure what the answer is to that, um, but um, I, I do agree with you that it is harder um, to recruit in those areas. And perhaps it's because we haven't actively been searching in that area. And if that's the case, we probably need to look at changing. Yeah. And from my own personal experience, when I look at it, um, with, through, this is pretty much my zone. This, these kind of mid-level, um, you know, roles are pretty much my zone of experience over, over the, you know, the time that I've put in and where I'm at. Um, so there's an entire generation of, um, you know, of potentially late diagnosed, you know, adult diagnosed autistic people who um, are well past this kind of entry level early career phase. Um, and we, we probably, as you say, we probably need to look at ways where we can include um, th them, me, those people. And I think we've heard from a lot of people over the last few days about challenging the idea that, you know, um, people, ca people can't do roles because they haven't got a degree or, you know, we're looking at the skills and the, and, and, uh, the strengths they can bring to roles and how some of them can actually do it, you know, do it better than, uh, than others. And uh, maybe that's where, you know, these types of, these types of things you know, um, filter through, but I guess, I guess that's just a, that's just a thought. More questions. Given co-worker training as part of your model, is disclosure a mandatory part of participation? Yeah, interesting one. Um, by the nature of uh, the way that we uh, run our programs, people um, have to disclose, obviously, to join those programs because that's, you know, who it's intended for. Um, in terms of those organisations that the people will be um, working for, um, they, they will know the type of program that they're implementing. In terms of that kind of next phase out of transition into the organisation, whether they disclose into that part of the organisation is entirely up to them. And I think just to follow on from that, uh, training is about diversity in thinking. So it's relevant to everyone in an organisation. Uh, we all think differently. We all receive information differently. We all have our unique sensory profile. So the, the information that we talk about in the training is not autism specific. Um, and it does help organisations to be more understanding of you know different ways of thinking so we can and do run our training with uh, autistic people with parents of autistic people with neurotypical people with other neurodivergent condition it is uh, acceptable it's just general 
good information to know. Um, so the training tends to be well received by everyone, um, but it can often lead to a lot of people saying, oh, actually that's me, or that's my son. I wish I knew that, or that's really helpful for me to know. So uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be for a prescribed group of people, no. Okay, great. Now, another question is, what would be the most significant factor or process that you've seen that can influence job sustainability and retention, especially for smaller businesses that may not have the HR resources outlined, but still aims to build safety and diversity? Mm, good question. I think you're probably better better yeah. able to answer that one, Sharon. <laughs> Look, I'll give you um, my thoughts. At is when uh, we were lucky enough to to get a pilot program to work with um, the federal government to to look into disability um, service providers and um, it was unfortunately during COVID and we didn't get a lot of uh, huge employment outcomes in the pilot but that's by by the by um, what what I did end up doing though is talking to a lot of employers um, and you know obviously I, I came from DXE and Untapped and we do do a lot of IT and corporate roles um, and so then I was plonked into a pilot program where there was a lot of diversity in employers a lot of small employers Employers. It might be a little IGA, it might be a little red rooster who might, might be employing one person. And what, so I really had to challenge all of our information and go, okay, how does that help? Um, and to be honest, I guess I did find that it's, it is exactly the same principles. Um, and it is about communicating. We're not Employers are not good at being honest and upfront and in, and having open conversations and at reflecting at the way that they do things. This is just the way we do it. We're busy and we just do it that way. And then you get these different thinkers come in who go, who um, challenge that. Um, so firstly, you have to be reflective on the way you do things and you have to have the conversations and learn with and from that autistic employee. So that does require accommodation. And for some reason, that seems to be the hardest thing across every program I've ever seen, big or small um, employer, is be having those honest and upfront conversations in a way that is helpful for the organization or the business and the individual. And sometimes that means you have to be quite honest and say that behavior has to change because it doesn't suit this work environment or that communication was perceived this way by the other person. Now, what I find is the autistic employee goes, oh, thanks really for telling me if it's done the right way and grows from that, but our employers are struggling to do that and do that in a way that is helpful for the development of that individual. Now that same principle of setting a career development, still if it's, if it's in your IGA, um, there still can be career development, even if it is moving on to a different task eventually. There, and it can be small achievements. It doesn't have to be, oh, I got an accreditation at uni or TAFE. It can be just small incremental steps in development um, and recognizing that. So the individual knows they're growing in their role, that they're not just 
you know, necessarily stacking shelves forever, but perhaps their shelf stacking is the best out of every shelf stacker in the company. So we need to make sure that they know that sort of information and have a pride in their work and are developing um, in their roles. I'll just add a little bit to that. Part of um, what we do within our programs and and, and Sharon talked about it a little bit during her presentation was uh, that kind of structured feedback process whereby it's kind of repeatable and structured. And uh, because we involve in that um, mentors, co-workers and things like that, um, often they would shy away from the difficult conversations and the difficult questions. So when we set those as repeatable questions, it takes away that kind of level of concern about the conversation that they're having and you know the people the trainees in our program they, they, they don't really care about those questions what they care about is understanding they're doing things the right way they're progressing the way that they want to progress and having real honest conversations makes a huge difference to making sure people stick around and and that they they, they build on their employment success and including okay. their perspective in that process. Sorry, Orion. We often that's okay. We can keep going till dinner if you'd like. It's fine. Um, don't, <laughs> no. don't don't mind me. No, but definitely <laughs> including the autistic person in that discussion. That yeah. is so important. Okay, uh, Sharon, Adam, fantastic, uh, amazing job, and thank you so much for your time and your insights. We have reached the end of this session, but. You can uh, provide us with some uh, feedback on the feedback portal. Our next session is a panel on higher education. If you want to get there, go back to the homepage or the agenda page and you'll see the session listed starting soon. Click on that and it starts in minutes from now. So we'll hopefully see you at the next session. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. The 2023 Autism at Work Virtual Summit was proudly sponsored by DXC Technologies, GHD Engineering, La Trobe University, Untapped Group, ANZ, and SAP. Autism CRC is the independent national source of evidence for best practice. For more information on Autism CRC or the Autism at Work Virtual Summit, head to our website, autismcrc.com.au.